Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. I think there's this reality, right, with all of us in the room that time flies, does it not? And uh, there's different phases and seasons of life uh, that are more challenging than others. And what a lot of us tend to do is we, we always look forward to the next one, but we miss the one we're in. And, uh, and so today I wanna have a different type of conversation. Um, but one of the things I wanna mention that it said I love Cody in there. That was super weird to me when I saw that. I was like, that's not even how you spell my name. But that's kind of weird that we're sitting in the room right now. So, um, but again, thank you guys so much. Let me raise the temperature in the room. We all just give it up for the first time guests who are here for the first time online in person. Today is gonna be a different type of message. I promise you it's gonna relate to everyone in the room, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, or maybe you're a teenager, or you're newly married, or you're single and looking to mingle, come on somebody. Um, but I promise you that uh, today I wanna talk through some things because I think there's a truth that all of us would agree on, not only that time flies, but everybody in this room at one point in time has either been a kid and has had someone parent us. Right, And so there's these two truths that exist that I think we would all agree on is that the, the primary influence in a kid's life is a parent, but a parent isn't the only influence a kid needs. And so the truth is, is we all have a, a role to play as it pertains to the next generation and kids and in youth ministry. And so today I'm gonna talk a lot to everyone and there's gonna be some things I wanna share that um, I believe are helpful for you. Um, but I really want you to begin to look at some things to a different lens. And one of the things we're really passionate about here as a church is the next generation. It is kids ministry, it is youth ministry. And for us, our strategy is something we call orange. And really this concept comes from the reality that the two primary influences in a kid and teenager's life are the church, which represents the light of the world, right? Matthew chapter five, he says that we're to be the light of the world. That is an influence in a kid's life as it pertains to God and faith and how they see the world. But the primary influence in a kid's life isn't the church. And a lot of times people will think that as it pertains to faith, that it's the church's job to disciple the kids. But the reality is that the church only gets 40 to 50 hours a year to pour into the life in a kid and teenager. But the primary influence in a kid and teenager's life is the home, which represents their heart, which is what we get red. And so what happens when you take yellow, the light of the world, and red, the heart of the home, and you put yellow and red together, you get orange. Come on, y'all graduated kindergarten. Y'all give it up for yourself. Let's go. <clears throat> but it's this idea that there's these two primary influences that both have power, but when you bring them together, they have a significant impact. And so for us, it's not only our hope and job as a church to love your kids, for some of you and parents, um, for an hour a Sunday, what we know is that we wanna come alongside you and partner with you because you get about 3,000 hours a year and that's where the significance really happens. And so for us, what we do on a Sunday doesn't matter if it doesn't change your Monday, right? And that's why we wanna actually partner with you. And I tell parents this all the time, whether inside the church or outside the church, that for us, we know this, that you're not called to parent alone that you can't pair it alone and, and that you need other adults and other people in, in the life of your kid if you're gonna help them see how to, to live this life and live in this crazy world with faith, right? Because so for, for all of you, like we all have a role to play because whether you're a parent or grandparent, you're in relationship with someone who has a kid or you yourself have a younger sibling 
And so God wants for us to do some things. And, and I remember this, this illustration I saw years ago and uh, it was really helpful for me because it kind of puts a visual time clock. And so in this, in this jar, there are 936 marbles. I counted them, it took forever. And, um, and, and what each one of these marbles represent is it represents one week. And the number 936 is significant because as a parent, that's how much time you have from the time your child is born until they graduate high school. Anywhere from 936 to 1,000 weeks is what you have. And so what this does is it puts a, a visual to the time that you have when it pertains to investing into your kid and into the next generation. Right, it gives us this idea that when we look at this, this isn't a new concept, by the way. Moses said something like this in Psalm 90. He says to teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Right, and, and Paul says something like this in Ephesians chapter five, right as he's getting into talking about what parenting looks like and what the family looks like. He says for this in, in verse 15, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Why? He says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so this idea of, 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 of having a visual countdown clock of numbering your days, this is how you gain a heart of wisdom. And so this doesn't just apply to parenting, this applies to your life. We all have limited time and we're called to leverage whatever phase we're in for, for the kingdom. And so let me ask you this, how many of you uh, have teenagers in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent of a teenager. Anybody got freshmen? Awesome. Um, let, let me show you, if this is the amount of time you have from birth to their 18, let me show you how much time you have left if, if you have a freshman. That's pretty shocking, right? In this jar, there are 208 marbles. You have about four years. And, and what you're gonna come to find out is, is within just the first couple weeks of their freshman year, uh, about 10 weeks in, they're gonna figure out finally uh, where their locker is, right? And they're gonna start making new friends. And uh, in about 30 weeks in, they're gonna take their first midterm exam, which will let you have an indicator to know if they're gonna live with you forever or go do something with their life, <laughs> right? Uh, about 50 weeks in, you're probably gonna take them to the DMV and, uh, and you're gonna have to get their driver's license or get their permit. And then you're gonna really find out if you have some faith when they're on the road driving next to you. Right about 100 weeks in or so, they, they kind of start out and they go to their junior year and, uh, and they start dating alone in the car. And then you really find out what your prayer life is like. <laughs> right about 150 weeks in, they'll take the ACT for the first time and they'll start to think through and determine kind of what's next for them in life. And then what happens over time is you kind of get down to these, these final weeks and you realize you're starting to, to run out of marbles and I'm gonna try not to lose them everywhere. But what happens over time is 200 weeks hit and you, and you look down the aisle and you see your son or your daughter graduate from high school and then you look down at your jar and you go, oh crap, I've lost all my marbles. Turn the person next to you, tell them I've lost my marbles. That's the title of the message today is losing your marbles. And, uh, and there's this reality, right? Like there's something that happens when we begin to take a look at how much time we actually have. And what I've come to learn is that when you, when you understand and you know how much time you have now, you get serious about the time you have left, right? You start thinking through, you know what? I'm gonna, 
I wanna actually invest into this phase because as a parent, me being one of, uh, of a two-year-old and an, and an infant who's here for the first time today, come on, um, I'm an expert at parenting. No, I'm kidding. But what I, what, I have, what I have learned is that no matter what phase they're in, we're always trying to get them to the next one. And we just never stop to really make the most of the one they're currently in. And so whether you're a parent and today, this is kind of just that punch in the gut and there's tears in your eyes because it's a reminder that, that time is limited. Your impact is limited. You have this influence in their life. Or maybe for you, you're a grandparent and you're like, man, I wish I would have seen this years ago because maybe I would have done a little bit different and it would explain why my kid's so jacked up. <laughs> or you may be like, thank God I'm not a parent and I don't got an infant no more. But you kind of still have this responsibility, right? Because even though you may not be raising a teenager anymore, you have now a responsibility to teach your kid how to raise their kid. Maybe for some of you, you're just, you're a volunteer or maybe you're just, you're single and you're kind of doing your thing. But the reality is we all have this, this time that we get on, on earth and, and God tells us to make the most of every opportunity because, because the days are evil. And so what I wanna do today is I really wanna, I wanna take a look at a couple of things that if done over time can make a huge difference because not only does this serve as a reminder of how much time you have left, it also is a good reminder that, and it really can actually inspire you that time is your friend. I mean, there's a lot of marbles in here. It also shows you that one person, one event, one interaction, it takes more than that to impact the life, does it not? And what happens is, and you begin to realize that when you start adding up all of this time, all of these marbles, there start to become this momentum that you can, you can leverage some things in your life if you'll learn to not miss the phase you're in, whether it be college, whether it be a parent. But God wants us to, to, to use some things and that if we do them over time, we can have a significant amount of impact, not only on the next generation, but even in your life. And so what I wanna do today is I just wanna share a couple of things with you that if you'll do them over time, I believe it's not only gonna change your life and your family's life, but the people around you to learn how to be in the phase we're in and not, and not miss it. And so this first one I'm gonna, I'm gonna share with you, I know that uh, it's not gonna be groundbreaking. For some of you, you already do this really well. Like you, you know you got it, this is basic. And, and so the truth is a lot of these might be like this for you. Some of you are experts at these and some of you aren't. But this first one, I'm just gonna tell you that if you don't get this one right, the rest doesn't, don't matter. I don't care if you're a parent or not, I promise you this is, this is gonna relate to you. I want you to see the, your time you have through this lens. That if you'll do this over time, You'll have healthy relationships. The first thing, it's real simple. And make me feel good about it because I know this is obvious. It's love over time. Groundbreaking. It's love over time. And, and here's what I mean. Do you, do you know how you know that God loves you? Let me tell you how you know. Because you've been through some mess in your life. You've messed up. You've made some mistakes. You may still currently be making mistakes. But all of us in here have, have messed up at some point. We've all had moments where we run from God. And the way you know God loves you is the moments that you were running away from God, he still ran towards you. The moments that you turned your back on him, he never turned his back on you. The way you know in which God loves you is that God leveraged time to be a demonstration that Romans 5, 8 says at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. 
that he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for you. The way in which you know that God loves you is that even though you've messed up for years and years of your life, he never stops pursuing you. That over time, you're here on purpose. There's breath in your lungs and you are a testimony to everybody else that God's not finished yet. And see, have you ever thought about that in the very beginning, God could have just fixed it all in a moment? Adam and Eve sinned, he could have just be like, no, 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 let me, let me start over and just fix it all. But he doesn't, why? What God wants to do is over the course of time is to let every single one of us know that no matter how much time goes by, no matter how long we run away from him, he's not gonna stop running for you and he will pursue you until the day you die. He'll put people in your life to let you know that he will always love you over time. You know how you love a kid and teenager? Over time. You show up. So, so for some of you, I'm like, the best thing you can do is I just, I wanna encourage you, show up for this next generation. Some of you are like, I'm a parent, I have to show up. I get it, all right? But, but the truth is, is that if you will show up mentally, if you will show up physically and spiritually and relationally, if you will love your kid over time, what they will know is that they have worth. Because when you love over time, it equals worth. You know that you are worthy because you were being pursued by someone who loves you. And so let me just say this, and I know this can be heavy. I know for some of us, it can hit a sore spot. But let me just speak to the men in the room really quick, to the, to the dads, to the fathers, because if you read in Ephesians chapter five and six, when Paul begins to talk about what a biblical marriage and relationship and family looks like, what you're gonna see is that the men are called to be the leader. And he says, men, fathers, don't exasperate your children Vision 6, 14, but train them up in the Lord. And studies will show this, men, that if, if you will lead your family, the chance of all of your kids, the chance of your family pursuing Jesus is almost 98%. Why? Because you were called to be the leader. And so you, you gotta decide, I'm gonna show up. I'm not gonna get drugged to, to church. Because you have a God who showed up for you. Now, here's the deal. When I say that to some of you and I talk about being a good father or being a good parent, that's hard because maybe you didn't have a good father or you weren't raised by the parents that you thought you should be raised by. There's a lot of pain when it pertains to, to parents in homes. And so here's what I just wanna speak into you. If, if you're dealing with some kind of wound from your father or from your mother who was absent, who didn't live up to the things they were supposed to do, let me just say this to you because so often we view God through the lens of our current or past family. And what I want you to know is that your heavenly father is not a reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of your earthly father. That he is everything your parents are not. He's gonna be whatever they couldn't be. He won't ever leave you. He's not gonna lie to you. He's not gonna turn his back on you. He can't stop loving you. He won't stop loving you so much so that he would die for you on a cross. That he will leave the 99 just for you. Just for you. He leverages time to let us know that he's gonna show up. So what do we what do, we do with that for us? We have to show up. You gotta show up in a, in a kid and teenager's life because it reminds them and lets them know they have worth. They matter to you. Let me give you the second thing. 
if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The second thing, if you'll leverage over time will make a huge impact is your words. Your words over time. Did you know that a teenager, for every one word of affirmation, there's seven words of criticism? You can't over-affirm a teenager, especially with social media. All day long, they're getting criticized for how they look, what they do, what they don't do, how good they are, how smart they are, how, who their friends are all day long. You can't overemphasize, you can't over, you can't over talk to them and build them up and affirm who they are. Proverbs 16 says that gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Your words matter. It says that the tongue has power of life and death and those who love it, eat of its fruit. What's it saying? It's saying that your words either build people up or you tear people down. And, and do you know what your, what your words over time does? What it, what it puts in your bag? It gives them direction. It gives them direction in life. And we see this in James chapter three, where James talks about the power of the tongue, the power of your words. And he says that it's like a bit that's put in the mouth of a horse and it controls its entire body. It's like a rudder on a ship that controls the entire thing. Your tongue can build people up or break people down. So are you gonna leverage your words to let people know that you love them over time? We use your words to provide direction for the next generation. For me, I remember when I was about, uh, about seven or eight and I hated church, never wanted to go. I'm not one of those guys who grew up in church. Daddy was a pastor, all that kind of thing. That's not my story. I didn't like it. I thought it was boring. That's why we don't do boring kids ministry. That's why they got bubbles and lemonade downstairs right now. Come on, somebody. We want them to have fun. We, and I'm gonna talk about that in a little bit. But, but for us, I just didn't really like church. My parents loved church. They brought me or whatever. And I was just that disruptive kid. Any disruptive kids in the house? No, just me. Y'all are lying. That's why y'all disrupting right now. D -d disruptive kids, the ones who don't do everything they're supposed to do in school and church. That was me. And, and, and what happened was I remember this time we were in, in Sunday school and he's making everybody kind of go through their, their memory verses. You know what I'm talking about? Where you like, you have to quote off the memory verse from the week before. And if you get it right, you put a little star on the board and then eventually you get to pick from a treasure chest and get your, you know, cheesy Christian toy. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> one of them. Well, I remember this one time he said, all right, it's your turn. Uh, Cody, what's the verse from last week? And it was like, Jesus wept. And he was like, Jesus. I was like, I don't know. Jesus, I was like, was sad. He's like, no, <laughs> Jesus wept. I was like, oh, Jesus wept. He's like, just put the star on the board, right? Like, and I was just constantly making a fool of myself, laughing, goofing off. And I remember one time he pulled me aside after class was over, before the, the big church started, as we call it. And he pulled me aside and I thought he was gonna get onto me like he typically did. But he said something then that I remember now 22 years later. He said, you know, I, I know you don't want to do much with God right now. But God wants a relationship with you. And if you would ever just let him in and you would learn what it means to follow him, one day God's gonna use your story of rebellion to make a difference. I was eight. Did it mean anything then? No. But does it mean something now? Absolutely. And you know this, there's people in your past that have said words of life to you and you remember them to the core of who you are. 
when your grandmama spoke words over you, when your mama spoke words over you, when a Sunday school teacher or a coach, but you also remember the things people didn't say or the things they said to tear you down. And what happens is, is that your words often limit people. So don't limit them beyond what God wants to do in them. Because some of us were living up to the very things we were told by people 20 years ago. People told you you were a loser and now today you still feel like one. They told you you wouldn't, wouldn't amount to nothing and what it is is it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy in which we see the world through the lens of I am nothing, I mean nothing, I'm not worthy and so I'm just gonna live up to what everybody else has labeled me as. And I just wanna let you know what, what God says to Jesus in, in, in the book of Matthew. He says, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. Before Jesus ever did anything for God, before you do anything for God, he loves you. It is not about your performance for him. It's about your position as a child. And so I just want you to know, I don't know what you've been told. I don't know what words have been spoken over you, but God does love you. He wants a relationship with you and your life is not defined by your past. And I just need you to know that. So your words over time, they, they give this sense of direction. Let me give you the third thing. It's one of my favorites that if you'll leverage over time and be authentic and be real to who you are is stories. Stories over time that you and I were, were wired to learn through, through storytelling. This is why at a very young age, it's important for a parent to talk to their kid and read stories to their kid because what it actually does is it begins to develop things in their brain so that when they get to pre-K or they get to kindergarten, they're actually advanced and they learn how to problem solve. They learn how to relate because you telling them stories, they have this unique ability that I love what J.K. Rowling says, that the human race is the only species in the world that has the ability to put themselves in someone else's shoes. And when you read a story, when you leverage stories, what you're doing is you're helping them, helping yourself understand what it means to walk in somebody else's shoes. It's empathy. That when you leverage your story and what's happened to you in your past over time, you allow your kid, you allow the next generation, you allow your friends to see that there's, that there's hope and that there's empathy that happens. What would it look like in our world if adults learned how to have the same type of empathy as kids? What would it look like if one group of people, instead of judging things they see on the news, seeing things on Facebook, instead of judging them by that, what if you actually took the time to put yourself and walk in somebody else's shoes before you judge them with their words? What if you actually had empathy? How many racial walls would be tore down right now? How many things in your life, if you would just learn the process of I'm a part of something greater, there's a bigger story and I don't always know what's going on in their life based on what I see on Facebook. That's the highlight reel, not reality. So what would it look like if we just said, you know what, I'm just gonna actually get to know people. I'm gonna get to know somebody who doesn't look like me, believe like me, act like me, live in the same neighborhood as me because I wanna know what it's like to walk into their shoes and maybe then we wouldn't continue to damage generations to come. It's the power of, of a story. And you see it throughout all scripture. Like you look at the story of, of, of the Bible from beginning to end and his redemptive process. And you begin to look at different families and you begin to look how God leveraged stories. And, and I like to do this. I, I like to take a look at, we're talking about family today. I like to take a look at, at stories in the Bible, families in the Bible that I might wanna model my family after. And what I found out is it's actually pretty hard to do. 
because a lot of the families in the Bible, they were jacked up. I mean, you look at Adam and Eve, it's like, well, first off, you ate the fruit, Eve, and then Adam, you watched her do it. But then your, your, your one son murdered your other son. I don't think anybody wants that to happen. Right, and then it's like, well, maybe, maybe we look at Noah. He did something pretty cool. You know, we could have used the boat today with the rain. Right, like he, he builds the ark and, and rescues humanity and all the animals and zebras and unicorns and everything else. And then what happens after that though? Oh, he gets naked and, and, and drunk. That's awkward. Right, like what about Jacob and Esau? Conniving mom, naive dad, they spend their life on the run trying to kill each other. Or Joseph and his brothers, where his brothers throw him in a pit and leave him for days. I mean, I've wanted to throw some of my siblings in a pit before, but I ain't going that far. Really, you can just go on and on and on throughout out the history and see these stories that God leveraged over time. Let's take, a, let's take maybe the best example. Let's take Mary and Joseph, the mama and daddy of Jesus. They're worth modeling after, right? I mean, they did raise Jesus. But do you remember the story when they left the temple and three days went by and they looked around and they forgot him? I mean, the DCS was involved, y'all. Jesus would have been raised by somebody else. It'd have been like, where's Jesus? They're like, I don't know. I guess we lost him. They had to go back and find him. Why am I saying all that? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Because some of us, we have this idea that God uses perfect people, but he, instead he uses broken ones. God doesn't use perfect pictures. He uses broken pictures. Why? To leverage and let people know that he can still use your story no matter what you've been through. And what stories over time produces is it gives a kid, it gives a teenager perspective. That if, if you will be honest about what God has done in you, let me just tell you what's gonna happen. They're gonna leave high school. They're gonna go off and do whatever they wanna do. And guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna make a mistake. And they're gonna mess up. They're gonna do something you thought they would never do, something you didn't teach them to do. They're gonna do the very thing you hate most you do know that a lot of times your kids' actions are just the things they picked up from you, which scares me to death. I just look back, I'm like, man, all the stupid things I did in high school, Lord, please don't let it happen to my kid. The reason I share that with you is because your kid is gonna need to know that even though they mess up, there's more to the story. That there's still hope that if you still have breath in your lungs, God isn't finished with you yet. So don't get stuck on one page where you made a mistake. Flip the page and see what God wants to do today. Because his mercies are new every morning. Scripture teaches us to forget the former things, to not dwell on the past. He's doing a new thing. Every day he wants to do something new. Every day he wants to show up and say, hey, it doesn't matter about yesterday, let's move forward today. And so what stories over time will do is it will give them a perspective that God isn't gonna leave them and, they're not, and, and he's not finished yet. That he wants to leverage whatever has happened in you, whatever's happened to you for his good and his glory. Let me give you the other one. It's work over time. Somebody say work. Somebody say work. Somebody say work, 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 work. I don't have enough young people up in here today. <laughs> I heard the spirit of Rihanna coming out of some of you. But I, I wanna talk about work because I'm not talking about a job, by the way. Um, I'm talking about the fact of what Ephesians 2.10 says, that we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. W what I'm talking about is that you and I have this responsibility to let our kids and teenagers know, to let our friends know that you have a work to do. It's my responsibility to let you know you have a work to do. 
that God has handcrafted you on purpose and for purpose, that, that you, you have something to do. And, and what, what work over time produces is significance. And as my years as a youth pastor, I got some of my kids who used to be in youth ministry with me, which lets me know I didn't completely fail, okay? Um, but what, what it'll do is, is what you learn if you see a healthy junior and senior class that's following Jesus, let me tell you what you're gonna see. You're gonna see some teenagers who not only know about God, but have actually got to work out their faith. That they've actually got to do something with what they've been told. And a lot of times as parents, all we wanna do is talk to them about God, but never give them the opportunity to actually serve God and do anything with what they've done. And what we think is, is we think by putting them in a youth ministry that meets every week, and we do this kind of program, it'll somehow transform their life. But studies show that over 90% of kids who live high school don't ever come back to church. Why? Programs don't disciple people. People disciple people. People disciple people. It's not about a program. You can have whatever program you want. For us, we don't meet weekly quite yet. We don't have the time and, we don't have the time and people and everything we need to, in order to do that to the level we know it's gonna impact a teenager. What we do know is that there's other organizations such as Young Life in our community that do an incredible job about reaching kids where they are. So you know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna partner with Young Life and if you're in high school, we're just gonna get you involved with Young Life. You wanna serve in youth ministry here? Great, become a Young Life leader. Why? Because they have the same vision as the church to reach kids who are far from God. That's why we're gonna do a monthly experience for youth on Sunday night. We're calling them movement nights because I just believe that God wants to start a movement in this city. I, I believe he's wanting to see a generation rise up and actually not only say they follow Jesus, but have the opportunity to serve. That's why for me, it's one of the best things in the world when I pull in and I see Landon Ward out there as a ninth grader setting up a flag and a tent and coffee and cones and it's in the parking lot so that adults can come in and hear about Jesus. That's why for me, it's important that if you're in middle school and high school and you're going, what, what's for me? Let me tell you what's for you. God wants to use you now, not one day. You can be a little kindergarten's hero. Because here's what I know about teenagers. Here's what I know about kids. This is the truth and, and you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna follow me here. Um, teenagers care more about what their friends think than what you think, don't they? And they also care more about what other adults think than you think. And they also care about what you think more than anything else. You're like, wait a second, that contradicted itself. I'm like, I know they're teenagers. It's all that at the same time. God wants them and wants you to understand you were designed for something greater than you. If we don't teach kids that there's, there, there's some significance in life, that's what it does, by the way, is if you give somebody a work to do over time, they realize there's something significant about their life. And so if you never give them something significant to do, they'll never feel significant. And, and so for us, like, that's just why I'm going, hey, I'm passionate about this. I, I want our kids to actually have the opportunity to live out the things we're trying to teach them. And if we don't, church will become a spectator sport and we wonder how we got here. Where church is all about coming to a program. And then we go, well, what happened? We never actually taught them how to be the church. Let me tell you what they need. Here's the next thing, it's community. They need community over time. And I'm gonna say this not as a rebuke, so don't hear me say this. There's seasons and phases for everything. But a lot of times the reason why kids don't have a community is because their parents will never plant in one. We church hop, 
You know why? We've been taught churches for us. We consume. So I'm gonna go to the church that feels good, sings the songs I like and has everything I want. So all I gotta do is show up. And then you wonder, well, why, why does my kid think that way? Cause that's how we taught them. Isn't that how you were taught? It's all about me. See what community over time does is it gives them belonging. And they need to know, and you need to know, the reason we're here is because you weren't designed to go through life alone. And some of you are trying to go through life alone and wonder why you keep failing. It's because you haven't actually taken the time to put your feet down and go, I'm gonna get to know the people around me. I wanna get to know their stories so that when I mess up in mine, I got some people reminding me that God is right there and they're gonna have my back. I got some people who are gonna be a part of my life, be a part of a group so that they can actually help me walk with Jesus. It's why we do groups. It's why we make a big deal about them coming up in October. Why? Because discipleship doesn't just happen in rows, it happens in homes. And some of us are 40 years old and still infants in our faith and we've been falling for 30, 30 years, why? Because we've never actually taken the time to be a part of something greater. Do you know what would happen in your life, in your marriage if you did? To your family, to the next generation give him a sense of belonging. Let me give you the last one, but before I put it up, this is the hardest one, in my opinion. It's the most spiritual one too. Some of you, I can just tell by your face, you're like, I don't ever do this. Others of you, you are the example and we need to learn from you. I need to learn from you. And this one is the one that's hardest, especially if you're a parent, especially with ball games, especially with work especially with COVID, it's the hardest one to do, but I promise you that if you'll do it, it'll change your life. And it's real simple, it's have fun. Gotcha. It's the hardest one though, isn't it? To have fun over time, let me tell you why. Because what fun does is it, it reconnects what's been disconnected. And the truth is, is you're gonna mess up in life and so is the people you love. And what fun does is it authenticates forgiveness. You can't have fun with somebody you ain't been forgiven yet. You ever tried? To genuinely enjoy somebody you're still bitter towards? What fun does is it lets your kid and teenager know that even though they messed up, that you still love them. And I think a lot of the reason why kids question if we love them is because we never take the time to show them that we like them. That is the reason why there's some parents that when their kids grow up, they have a different type of relationship and a friendship with their kids. Why? Because they had fun. There's a reason. And I would just argue, if your marriage is struggling right now, I can bet you if you were to go to therapy and you were to ask, where did we go wrong? How did we get here? If you have a relationship with your kid that is, is rocky, what they're gonna go is when's the last time you had some fun? Not planned fun. That's what the church does, by the way. We do planned fun. Just have fun. We, we do everything for a reason, okay? Sometimes you just need one to just go, we're gonna have fun because we love each other. Why? The Bible tells us that a merry heart does good like a medicine. That the joy of the Lord is our strength. Have you ever stopped to think that you can measure the health of your household by its laughter? This rocked me this week because I came home tired, frustrated, I have a two-year-old that gets on my last nerve sometimes. And you know what he needs from me more than anything? 
to get in the floor and play with some trucks. You know what your spouse needs for you? To take them on a date. I mean, we pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for everything else. I think we can cough some up for a babysitter. I promise you, it's the hardest one to do, but if you'll take the time to have fun over time, it'll authenticate forgiveness and your kids will know that you not only love them, but you like them too. I think it's one of the beautiful things about the gospel that says in John, it says that Jesus came down, I love the message version, and moved into the neighborhood to do life with us. He's a relational God. I think sometimes we get so caught up in wanting what we want to teach a kid that sometimes the best thing they need to be taught is that you're gonna be there with them and meet them where they're at to not miss the face. So right now, I would love to pray for you. I would just love to give you the opportunity to take your next step. For some of you, you have been trapped in this cycle because of your family past where you don't feel worthy, you don't feel loved, you don't feel significant, no one had fun with you, you don't feel valued, you feel like your life is without meaning and without purpose. And what I came to tell you is that if you were the only one on earth, God would have died for you. He'd have given it all because he wants a relationship with you. You're worth it to him. You're worth his silence as he hung on a cross, innocent. You're worth it. He loves you over time. For others of you, as a parent, maybe today it's just you, you need to have some fun with your kids. Maybe as a, a husband or wife, you need to have some fun with your spouse. For some of you, you need to actually get involved and figure out how you can love and serve the next generation. Whether that's serving in kids ministry or helping out with youth ministry or reaching out to your brother or sister and investing into the life of your nieces and nephews. Let me just say this. There's a lot of single moms in the room that don't have a husband, that don't have a father, that are trying to raise kids by themselves. And the thing I know is that they can't do it alone and neither can I. And they need some other adults and they need some people to come alongside and help raise their kid. So the question is, will that be you? Because I'm not willing to sit back and watch us go through the motions and act as if what down, it goes on down there is less important. I would rather what happens down there transform their life and we invest there first rather than appeasing anyone's appetite and consumption in here. I just care more and I think you do too. So I wanna pray for you and give you the opportunity to take your next step, whatever it may be. Will you pray this with me? Father, thank you for today. God, we, we thank you so much that you leverage time to remind us and to let us know you're not gonna leave. That whatever mistakes we've made, whatever addictions we've been battling, whatever mess we're still in right now, that at just the right time, you died for us. And God, we thank you. And so God, we just wanna live a life of gratitude, taking the love and the grace that you've shown us and imparting it to the people around us into this next generation so they can know that no matter what happens in life, that you wanna use their story and you're gonna be there. God, help us have fun in our relationships. Help us take that next step, whatever it may be. And right now, I wanna give those of you an opportunity who maybe you've been running from God, maybe you've had turned your back on Him, 
maybe you're ashamed of who you are today. And what I came to tell you is that today is a new day that God loves you where you are, but he loves you way too much to keep you there. And today, by faith, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I believe he can set you free today. So right now, will you just pray this out loud with me for the benefit of those who are coming to Christ? Pray this with me. Say, dear God, I love you. Thank you for loving me over time. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven and free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, we you put your hands together for everybody who made that decision for the first time today? Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church give. Have a great day.